Welcome to everyone tonight. We're so glad to see everyone. We're glad that you're here tonight. Amen. And if you are, if you are watching us via theantioch.com, thank you for tuning in this evening, whether it's live or on demand. We give honor tonight to Bishop and Mother Wright, who are not here this evening. They are, they are uh, currently in um, Indianapolis at uh, our annual general conference for the organization that we're affiliated with, and uh, Bishop Wright is the superintendent of this area, and so he is there during meetings, and Mother Wright is the leaders' director, so she's there also. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I am not in a hurry, but neither do I uh, want to just capitalize on your time for the sake of capitalizing on your time. I'm not in a hurry, but I, 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 uh, I'd like to share something with you this evening. And uh, hopefully somewhere in this, uh, it will help you. In Jesus' name, it will help you. But I want to talk to you tonight, in case you're wondering, we have not made a terrible design choice on the platform. Uh, in case you're wondering, these uh, three chairs or a, two chairs and a bench have functionality to what I'd like to talk to you tonight about for the next few minutes, and um, hopefully in Jesus' name, the Lord will help us. Father, we thank you for your presence that's in this place tonight. I pray, Lord, that tonight would not just be the repetition of words or just the explanation of good ideas and thoughts, but it would be the anointed word that would go forth out of your heart through me as the vessel, Lord. I submit myself to you. I pray that you would help us tonight. Speak to us tonight. Let us grow in you find you in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of the three chairs and ask you, which chair are you sitting in? Which chair are you sitting in? Hopefully by tonight, uh, if you're in the wrong chair, you'll have desire to move to the right chair. And I pray that the Lord would help us tonight. I'd like to read for a moment, if I could, Oh, it's a little small. I try to squeeze it all on one side. Hopefully you can follow along there if you, if you are. But most of you, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. So if you don't know it, you'll recognize it when I read it. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. Who had seen, everybody say seen. All the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance of Tenmouth Terrace, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that great generation were gathered unto their fathers. Notice that. Were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. Notice that. They forsook the God of their fathers. They didn't forsake their God. 
they forsook the God of their fathers. And they forsook the God of their fathers, which brought them, not, not those they're referring to, brought the fathers out of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. I want to talk to you tonight based off what we just read here and sort of the parallels that take place in the three groups that are mentioned or the one individual and two other groups that are mentioned in this passage of Scripture. I want to talk about how that can parallel to the three chairs and helpfully help you know where maybe you are and where you can go in God. The first thing let's bring up is the first chair. Chair number one, if I can get this thing, there we go. The three chairs, we got, there we go. Chair number one is the chair of commitment. Joshua was spoken about the fact that we know the story and we know where Joshua fit in all of this. We understand that it was Joshua and Caleb that went into the promised land with the other spies. It was they that said, we can do this. It was their, it was their, their, their faith and it was their attitude that was propelling the people to go forward. And we know that they listened to the other spies and decided not to go. But the thing about that story that really sticks out to me the most is it's not necessarily it was their faith. That's, that's a big part of it. We talk about that, and that's a huge part. Here's Joshua and Caleb, and, and we talk about the fact that they said, we are well able. And that's a huge part of this part of the text and a big part of that, that whole dialogue. But the biggest thing to me was that even when the word of the Lord came and said, everybody over a certain age is going to die, Joshua and Caleb stuck with their commitment to the people. It's one thing when God gives you something, and this is, we're going to get up, let me just spiderweb for a moment. It's one thing when God puts something in your spirit, but that doesn't mean He puts you in your spirit to separate you from the body. God may put things in your spirit that may, may, be, may increase your faith, and you may be frustrated because you see things that aren't in play yet in this body, but that doesn't mean God is calling you to leave the body. Do we have problems? Yes. Do we have issues here? Yes. Are we going to have problems? Yes. Are we going to have issues? Yes. Look around. There's a word here that sticks out. It's called people. And where people go, trouble follows. There is never going to be a perfect church as long as that church is made up of people. I will take that back. There may be a perfect church because we're getting more towards artificial intelligence every day. So maybe we'll have a big church of series out there. Because outside of that, every place is going to have trouble. Every place. But God is leading this church as a body. We want to progress in God, but at the progression of God, we don't want people to be left behind. Now, if you want to be left behind in your carnality, that's one thing. But if you're coming in your hunger, but you may be coming as fast as me, I don't want to go jump across the river and say, well, you're not as fast as I am. I'll see you later. We're one body. And the thing that sticks out the most to me is how Joshua and Caleb submitted themselves to the body. And walked around 
for 40 years in their health and in their strength knowing what they could be doing on the other side of that river. But yet they were willing to stick. So chair number one is the chair of commitment represented by Joshua. And the other thing that's a characteristic of the first chair people is they experienced reality of God firsthand. They saw miracles. Joshua saw firsthand the work of God. He didn't have to hear it from somebody else. He saw firsthand what God could do. It's remarkable to me that the other spies who saw what God could do didn't have the faith. But Joshua, as he moved into the promised land, he wasn't carrying with him stories, but he was carrying with him reality. He was bringing with him what he had experienced. And then the third part of this chair of commitment is the service of the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's the chair of discipleship, not this chair of Christianity. Christianity and discipleship are not the same words. But chair one is the chair of discipleship. Chair number two is the chair of conflict. I skipped it. Can I go back? Can I go? This thing does not like me. We'll skip the slide. Hold on to that one. Chair two is the chair of conflict. Chair two is represented by the elders. Now notice these elders are not the original elders that talked about when Jethro came to Moses and said, listen, you can't do this. You're wearing yourself out. You've got to figure this out in a better way. And Moses decided to, to elect the 70 elders. This was a different group of elders. And you see, these elders weren't like the original elders. These elders had a second-hand experience. Joshua, who had a first-hand experience, were leading people that had a second-hand experience. They were the storytellers. These elders became the storytellers. Hey, guys, gather around. Let me tell you what my father told me. When they did all this, and God did all that, and here's what happened, and God did all this, and, and here's, here's how it all happened. These elders were the storytellers. And they served God, but they didn't serve God. They served the God of their fathers. And finally, the ch third chair is the chair of compromise. First chair, chair of commitment. Second chair, chair of conflict. Third chair is the chair of compromise. And that's represented by that last text we read, that there arose another generation. This chair, this chair doesn't know the works of God. Unfamiliar with the miracles. And they become... They become Chasing false gods or in our world, they become celebrity driven. You say, we don't have false gods. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We don't go to, we don't go to other temples where wooden places are, but we turn on TV to worship our idols. Our idols just have flesh and blood. They're not carved out of wood. But let's be honest, we all have our idols. Hey, it's called American Idol, people. I don't know whoever came up with it, Simon Cowell, whatever it was, has any kind of biblical background, but he was right on when he called it American Idol. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to produce more things that we can idolize. So let's go a little farther here tonight, if you can. Let's talk about the first chair. 
The first chair, again, represented by Joshua. The first chair is a chair that is governed by the Word. Governed by the principles of the Word of God. Joshua, with all of the things that were going on around him, never veered from the fact that he understood what was put in him in the Word. And the Word and what it represents. And the dedication and the value. But you see, the first chair doesn't look like much to most people. Because you see, the first chair is not really built for comfort. It's more built for functionality. Yes, there are some things about it that are comfortable, but it's more what it can do, where it can go, how you can use it, what it represents. You see, there's other chairs out there that are more comfortable, but this chair has things that other chairs don't have. There are things that you can do in this chair. This chair can have things in your life and represent things in your life. And you see, first chair people aren't serving God based off somebody else's relationship. First chair people are serving God based off of who they know to be God. What they've experienced to be God. First chair people want functionality because first chair people want to follow the will of God. So first chair people want to say, Lord, where are we going today? How can we get there? Okay, Lord, today's you want me here? All right, Lord, I'm here. You see, it's not the best looking chair. There's other chairs out there that, that, that look better, but this chair is able to do things that other chairs can't do. Follow after what God is doing. Be led of the Spirit. Walk in Him. Know Him. Find Him. And you see, most of us start off in the first chair. Most of us start off in a first chair experience because I would say probably 80-70% of the people in this room, you are a first generation apostolic. You're experiencing God firsthand. So you understand what it's like to go from no chair to a chair. You know what it's like when you just wandered around in your life and you were weary and you were tired and you didn't know. And when you came to an altar and God said, won't you sit down right here? I got a chair waiting for you. And you remember that night when you finally let your burdens go and you realize, wait a minute, boy. This life has been tough, but man, boy, is this a nice, this is amazing. It's life-changing. And that first-hand experience that you have with God, when you understand and you, you know where God is, and, and, and everybody that comes to God in a first-generation experience comes to Him through a first-chair relationship. First-chair people, as we get into this, First chair people are the people that are going to be saved in the end. We'll get to the reasons why in just a moment. Let's talk about the second chair for a moment. Second chair people 
are caught between relationship and religion. You see, the elders served what they were told. But also the problem with the second chair is that this is meant for growth. In fact, I think this thing does even grow. Does it grow or is it broke? Boy, that would have been cool if it did that. This chair is meant for growth. But you see, there's something about the second chair. Because in this chair, you're looking to God to see, God, where do you want to take me? It's a vertical relationship here. But when you go to this chair... You get caught between the vertical and the horizontal. Because this chair is a little bigger than that chair. Still not as comfortable, but it has some things. Because, you know, second chair people want to have room at their chair because they search for answers with others. So what do you think is my problem? I tell you what, I've just been going through it. I, I need help. Can you help me? Okay, thank you for your help. Next, now what do you think my problem is? And we just keep rolling through the line till we finally find somebody we like, their answer. You see, we, we, we justify it because we're still, we're trying to progress. But you see, second chair people, it, it, you get caught between relationship and religion. And, and, and yes, you are trying to serve God, but, but you're starting, you're starting to distance yourself from the reality of what you experienced in the first chair. Cause after a while, it's like, you know what? This pushing this nonsense around and the burden of this and carrying this around and wanting, okay, God, you know, it's easier just to kind of stay where you are a little bit. I'm tired. I've been doing this for a long time. And, and we move to that. We start to distance ourselves from the, from the reality of that. And a lot of us start off in that first chair experience, but we move to that second chair experience. Where now, you know, we, we hear about, the, oh man, boy, we're only one chair away. We can, re, we can hear about it or remember what happened. And see, this is the chair of conflict. Why do I call it the chair of conflict? That's the chair of commitment. This is the chair of conflict. Why? Because you're always conflicted. You're always caught between two worlds. You're caught between the spirit and the flesh. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're kind of caught in that idea that one day we come to church. On Sunday, we're in the spirit. Monday, we're in the flesh. Now, we all have our ups and downs. I'm not saying first chair people are perfect. I'm not saying second chair people are going to hell. My point of the fact of the matter is, is that this is a chair of conflict. Because second chair people are separating themselves. They listen to second chair people. They'll tell you what God did, but they won't tell you what God's doing. And here's why. Because you know what? When trouble comes, who do they look for? They don't go and find the experience of the first chair. If you did it back then, God, you can do it again. I know you're faithful and you never change. If you brought me out the first time, you can bring me out the second time. But no, 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 no. Second chair people say, well, you know, I got to get some advice. And we cloak it in godly advice. I need some godly counsel. Is there times where you need some guidance? Absolutely. There are, there have been counseling sessions that have saved my life, and I mean that. However, that shouldn't be the first place you go. But here's the deal. 
Here's what happens. God in his mercy, this is why this, I've, I, this is called the chair of conflict. Because not only are you conflicted between the horizontal and the vertical, but this is the problem. God in his mercy desires to get you back to that first chair. So what does he do? He allows conflict. Because conflict drives you to reality. Conflict drives you back to that experience. Conflict drives you back. Whether it's a new revelation, where you've seen God like you... You know, I've said this before, forgive me for saying it again. There's no such thing as a move of God. Show me your book and chapter for a move of God. God inhabits all space and all time. How can God move? So we say, boy, that was a move of God. As if God's over here and he moved over here. God can't move. So what we say is a move of God. Who moves? God or me? So when I have a move of God, it's not God moving, but I finally got moving. And you see what a true move of God, come here Nathaniel. When a true move of God happens is, is that now instead of seeing God from behind, God allows me to move and I can seek his face. Notice this. Notice this. Why did God tell Moses, I can't show you my face or I'll kill you. But then he says, seek my face. Seek something that will kill me. Literally, that's what he's saying. That's what it sounds like he's saying. I can't show you my face. To show you, got to kill you. But oh, by the way, seek my face. That's what he says. What is God doing? Is God baiting his people into death? He says, seek my face. Oh, but if I show you my face, I have to kill you. It's like I want to think, what do you do for a living? I could tell you, but I have to kill you. God says, I can't show you my face, Moses. And he says, seek my face. Why? You know what? Because dead people, alive people can't see God's face. You've got to be dead to see God's face. If you see my face, I'll kill you. But if you're already dead, you can't die. So if you seek his face in your carnality, you ain't going to make it. But if you're already dead, when you find him, you can see him. To seek his face and to find his faith, you can't do that if you're alive. Because that brings death and God hides himself out of mercy because he knows what revealing himself to you will do. You see, second chair people are face seekers, but God in his mercy hides them. But in his love, he brings the conflict in our life. And what does conflict do? Most of the time, conflict kills us. The weight of it overwhelms us. Whatever it's a situation in our life, problem in our marriage, problem with our children, problem in our work, problem at school, whatever it is, that conflict drives us. Where we're able to strip ourselves away and we find that first chair experience again. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've allowed myself and my carnality to slip into a second chair 
experience with God. But I can take you to the places of conflict in my life that God drove me back to the first chair. One of the ones that sticks out most of my mind was I was sitting in my office several years ago and I, I don't know if, you've, if some of you heard, know this name if I tell you this name, but if it say the name Leonard Ravenhill. Tremendous author, tremendous speaker, passionate man about relationship, passionate man about prayer. One of the most passionate writers I've ever, ever read on prayer, relationship with God. Tremendous. There's some of his books I encourage every person in here needs to read. It's, it's, it's beyond convicting. And I'd found a message by him uh, somewhere online, and I turned it on, and about five minutes, had nothing to do with the fact it was Leonard Ravenhill, but five minutes he spoke several things, and I just felt this crushing weight hit me. Because he was talking about knowing God, and I, had, I, I recognized in my life that I had let some things slip. And I had kind of slipped into a second chair mentality. And all my relationships were horizontal and there was very little vertical going on in my life. And that just came in that room that day. I'm sitting in my office and it just, it literally as if God himself just walked into that office. And I felt this crushing weight of conviction hit me. And I remember as vividly as I can recall, I got up out of my, out of my uh, office and I opened the door and, and, I, and I stumbled out literally because by that time tears were flowing down my cheeks and, and my vision was blurring. I stumbled in those doors and I stumbled right down here and I fell down right in this area right over here on my face and I just began to weep weep before the Lord and I began to repent for the fact that I allowed myself to move into a second chair relationship with Him. But when I got up out of that place of prayer I got up in a first chair experience. Because you know what? I'm so thankful for what God has done, but I'm tired of hearing about it. You see, second chair people love to tell the stories. I'm not saying stories are wrong, but you know what? I'm glad for the stories. But I want to write my own story. I saw a quote the other day. It said, I've come too far to come this far. I've come too far to come this far. And I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for everything He's doing. But is this the best we've got? Then I'm disappointed. Is God positioning us? Yes. Are we moving forward? Yes. But there's something in my heart and in Jesus' name, it's in your heart to say, I've got to see God in a greater way than I've ever seen Him before. I want to find Him another way. I don't want to just talk about it anymore, but I want to experience it firsthand. I want to, rem- I want to feel that presence and that power again. I want to feel the touch of His presence. I want to feel the miraculous move of Him in my life. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just share about it, but I want that fresh. Fresh. And finally... The third chair is the chair of compromise. The Bible says there arose a generation that knew not God. You see, the 
third chair is the most stylized look. It, it's the thing that looks the best, and boy, does it feel good. This is a good chair, actually. And it feels good, and it comes, what makes me comfortable? First chair is about him, second chair is about us, third chair is about me. Don't forget, folks, we are the iPhone people. I'm not saying Apple's wrong. I have one. But I've got an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, an iMac. An iWatch. If that doesn't speak to our world, nothing else does. Because you know what? This chair is more concerned about how things appeal to me. You see, this chair, it's a vertical relationship. It's what, God, what do you want from me? It's, it's God, how do you want me to live? It's, it's what do you, what do you, how do you guide me? Let the word speak to me. This chair, whoo, about to step on some toes. This chair is about us. Well, what does the church believe we should do? Well, our church believes we should. We don't do that at our church. You see, our church has, yeah, our church has some rules that we can't do that. This is second chair people talking. Yeah, I, 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 we're really not allowed to go there because that's, that's against the rules. Really can't. Oh, I can't. I really want to wear it, but I can't wear it because they may find it on Facebook and I may have to step down on leadership. And I don't know if I really want to do that tonight. Oh, I'm getting myself in trouble. Bishop's watch. I'm going to get a buzz on my phone. <laughs> Step away from the mic. <laughs> you know what? First year people, they don't care what you do. Come in here in a bikini. Doesn't change what I think. Come in here with your hair shaved or with all the way down, wrapped around your ankles. Doesn't change it. Come in here with long pants. Come in here with cut-off pants. It doesn't change it. Because I don't care what you do. Because I'm not serving you. Second chair, people. Mmm. You know, if they're doing that, boy, I'd like to do that. 
how come how come they get to do that and I don't do you know they're in leadership and they did that and they, they didn't get caught but when I did it I got caught <laughs> you know why probably because they were dumb enough to post it on social media that was carnal that wasn't Jesus You see, because why? Second chair, we want to include everybody. We don't want to, we don't want to. We don't want anybody to feel left out. Look, we got all this room. Come on with us. Come on, we got room. Because second chair people, you know, we, you know, I do remember what God did, and I remember how he touched me, but, but you know, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> And so you know what? Second chair people judge their faith by the barometer of everybody else. Dad, why are you praying? Well, son, you know, when my dad was in Egypt, they were praying every day. And God sent a man named Moses, took him out of Egypt. So my dad prayed, so I pray. Does that sound so noble? But it's so far from reality of relationship. And you know what the problem is? Second chair parents raise third chair children. You're going to raise children that's one chair below you. First chair children are going to raise second chair children. Every child born in the church is born in the second chair. Let's talk about it because I am one. I was born a second chair person. And you know what? I could ride others' faith for only so long until I had to get up to that first chair. Just because I was born here does not excuse me from having a first chair experience. And you know what the problem is? People that are born in this stuff but never get there when they get about 18, let's move on down, baby. That's what happens. But you see, do you know what happens? You say, what's the difference between the kids that grow up and stick around the kids? I'm not saying the kids that leave are bad and the kids that stay are good. There's some kids here that are messed up, that stayed, and some good ones that left. So let's not go down that road and you start throwing tomatoes at me. I'm not saying that. But the only way you stay is you've got to get to that chair. And you can have the youth pastor, the youth leader, the pastor, every other person sitting next to you, but until you get to that chair, honey, you ain't staying. And I was, I, I was born in this and grew up in a pastor's home, but I grew up in a second chair. 
But you know what? And you say, well, didn't you get the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I got the Holy Ghost at four. You know what that was? Basically, that was a trip around the first chair. Five years old, it wasn't life changing. Hey. That's what it was. By the time I was 18, I could barely even remember the, 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 the whole parameters of all that. I knew basically, I, the one thing that sticks out is I was wearing Smurf underwear when I got baptized. That's a, literally the jerk. That's a, literally the truth. Five years old, that's what I remember. And Sister Lenny Camp's daughter, Claire, helped me get in my baptismal robe. That's about all I remember. So you know what? Just because I got the Holy Ghost didn't give me a first chair. But you know what? When I realized, 16, 17, 18, ooh, I was sliding down this way some. Mm. Ooh, that looks good over there, don't it? Mm. I had some friends sitting in the third chair whispering, saying, man, look at this chair. Why are you sitting in that chair? Why in the world would you ever want to go over there? And am I saying because I'm better than anybody else? Something got a hold of me. I didn't want to live here anymore. I was thankful for all the stories and all the stuff that God did for everybody else. I was thankful for all the things that God did for my father and my mother and all the stories they told. But this second chair stuff wasn't going to cut it. Because the second chair stuff was going to lead to a third chair lifestyle. And the conflict that went on in my spirit and my heart during those later teenage years, something got a hold of me. And I said, look, I can't do this. This ain't going to work. And I found my way into a first-year experience with God. And then I go to college. And college is all about every other chair. But college has got nine chairs. We don't even have time to go down all those chairs. We, don't, we can't even discuss all the chairs. And I'm in this sort of second chair back again, the second chair deal with my life. And boy, I'm looking down the road at all the other chairs. I'm looking up at that chair. I'm wondering, why are all those chairs so full and that chair so empty? Am I wasting my life? You can tell your testimony. Let me tell my testimony. And then one day I, I, I transferred to Maryland. And I said, yeah, woo. And I saw this class listed. And it said, Biblical Jewish History. I was like, are you kidding me? That name, that class has my name written all over it. I've been in church my entire life. I don't even need to go to the class. I already know all the answers. Just give me the test now. 
I thought this is going to be perfect. I can go in there and read the paper and goof off. And that, I mean, I'm, this is going to. I got in that class, and the professor walks in, and the first words out of his mouth was, I know a lot of you picked up a Bible in his hand. He said, I know a lot of you have emotional attachments to this book. He said, it's not my, not my desire to, to challenge your emotional attachments. But over the next four months, I will not be discussing things with respect to your emotional attachments. And for the next four months, he did everything he could to shred Everything I thought I knew. He, not maliciously, he was Jewish. But for the next four months, literally my world was crumbling around me. And I didn't even know what chair I was in at that point. I was so confused, I didn't know anything. Because everything we base ourselves on is the Word of God. That's all, that's all we base. We base all this stuff off the Word of God. That's the foundation of it all. And when someone so vehemently attacks it and just, I mean, just blows it, the kingdom come and just basically does everything, but everything out of it just except calling it a sham. And I'm sitting there and, my, I mean, I'm just, and I'm crossed in that intellectual and faith conflict where things don't make sense. And I'm trying to figure out, should I go with what I think or with what I believe? And I came out of that class, and i got to be honest with you, I came out of that class, I, I didn't know up from down. It had so shaken me. And it, maybe others could take that course that wouldn't bother them for some reason with me. And maybe it was a God thing. Looking back on it, it probably was a God thing. It shook my world. I didn't know. I, 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 I was questioning everything. I mean, everything. Because all the stuff we believe in the new, we find answers in the old. If you get rid of the old, what is there to do in the new? And when someone comes in and just goes, I'm left. I'm like the poor kid when the music stops and I don't have a chair. But in that, you see, the, only, the one good thing about a second chair person is that the memories of the first chair aren't very far off. Third chair people, they're living off second chair relationship. And so they are long separated from any firsthand experience. You know what happens? Third chair people don't go back to the second chair. The only way third chair people get it straight is they got to go from third all the way back to first. There ain't no going back to second once you've jumped into third. You got to go all the way back to third. You got to find that reality all over again. You can't just jump back in. And the one thing about the second chair is 
And I'd say everybody in here is either first or second chairperson. One positive, awesome part about second chair is, is that you're not so far off from the first chair, it's not reachable. Because you know what? Revival reaches second chair people. Harvest reaches third. Revival gets a hold of second chair people and begins to stir their spirit. And they begin to remember, wait a minute, I remember what it felt like when my life was stained with sin and I had junk in my spirit. But I got into that water and I heard the name that is above every name. And that name was called over me. And I remember what it felt like when I went in one man, but I came out another man. And everything that I knew and thought I knew was washed away. Revival begins to stir that back up. That makes the second chair people say, I'm not satisfied anymore with being a second chair person. But I know there's got to be a first chair experience in my life. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There's something moving in this place because God desires that every second chair person gets a hold of you and said, it's not my desire that you live here, but I want to show you something brand new. Oh, somebody needs to give them some praise. Oh, Jesus. Pour us up, Jesus. Don't let us be satisfied with being a second chair Christian. But God, stir us up. He kalabosha. He lurita na boseki atarabahaya. He lurita bokoriata ya na 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 barienda na bokoriata I can understand the second chair people that come on Sunday morning being satisfied. I can even buy a little bit with the Sunday night people that are second chair with them coasting. But come on, folks. It's raining outside. Traffic makes you want to pull your hair out and you're here. If you're here. Why in God's name would you ever be happy with a second chair relationship? What would happen in Baltimore, in on the hill, and in Antioch West if this group just here decided we refuse to be a second chair church any longer? I don't know if he's watching, probably not, so he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just speaking what I feel in the Holy Ghost. 
First 10 years of Antioch went from two, two, in 10 years, over 500. 1980, 2016, 36 years. We went from 500-ish to 500-ish. Or bigger than that, but two to 500. 500 to, I don't know what the math is. From What's the, what's the, the growth weight from two to 500? I mean, that's like a lot of percent. That's a mathematical term. I don't know what the equivalent of that would be. Somebody who's quick in math. What would the equivalent be from going 2 to 500, from 500 to what number? Help me out. I guess you divide 500 by 2 and figure it out. Somebody help me out. No calculators? Somebody. What is it? 10 and a half million. What happened? Why? Is God different now? Ha! Huh. Come on. We got so much stuff we know now, we forget more than they knew. What was the difference? I'm just throwing this out there. Bishop can correct me. You know what was the difference between the first 10 years and the last 36 years? And some of you were there. Can I testify to this? That first 10 years was an entire church filled with first chair Christians. Not perfect people. But that was an entire group of people that were living a first chair experience. But you know what? We grow. The more you grow, the more people shift. There's a reason why this is the biggest chair up here. Because usually it has the most in it. What would happen? Never going to be 100%. What would happen? What would happen if the, just, the, just the people in this room, just the majority of those in this room, not, not the majority of the church, I'm talking about the majority of what's in this room, if we refused ever again to be a second chair Christian? What if we ever, we ever refused... To ever come to another service. You know what? Oh, God help me. I'm just about to get somebody mad at me. Second chair people come and clock watchers. That's what second chair people do. Because you know what? Second chair, it's all about community. I come to church because that's where my... Friends are and all that. I'm not saying that's great. You need, look, we believe in care groups and all that because we believe in horizontal and vertical relationships. You've got to have them all. The Bible says, how can you love God who you haven't seen if you can't love your brother who you have, who you have seen? I get all that. But second tier people, church is just a carved out part of their life. But you know what? First chair people, they don't go to church. First chair people don't go to church. You know why? 
you can't go to something you are. I'm not going to church. Honey, I am the church. Why am I going to go to something I already am? I go to a place where there's others. Because the word says, as we gather together, something happens differently. But why am I going to go somewhere that I already am? I'm not going to church. I am the church. I'm not going to somewhere I am. I'm, 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 I am the church. I'm just going there because that's a part of the extension of who I am. That's not what I do. When, you, when it's who you are, you can't separate. You can't separate the two. But when it's what you do, you separate who you are from what you do. Most of you in this room, if I ask you who you are, a lot of you would not identify who you are with what you do. Because in your life, it's separate. If you work at a bank here as a teller, you don't go around identifying yourself as a teller. Because really, that's not what you, who you are. It's more what you do. Now, there are some people in here, especially those in the military, you ask them who they are, they'll tell you. They're a soldier, sailor, marine. That's what they'll tell you. Because in the military, they drill into you. It's not something you do. It's who you are. That's why all the veterans in here, when you talk to them, they may leave the military, but the military never leaves them. They feel just... It, it's ingrained to them just as much now. They may not have put a uniform on in 30 years. I guarantee you, there's not a week that goes by. I mean this. There's not a week that goes by that somewhere in the vernacular of my father, the word Navy or Naval Academy is not mentioned. If it is, it's because he's sick or something's catastrophic. And it's not like he goes out of his way. My God, when you walk in this house, it's like a mausoleum to the Naval Academy. How can you miss it? Good Lord, every time I walk in, I got to stand at attention. Just, it's like the shrine of the Academy. You don't know the conflict they went through to finally change the colors in their house from blue to gold to something else. And for a while, they just went to a different shade of blue and a different shade of gold. When they changed to brown, we literally got on our face and began to pray and ask God where our parents backsliding. My God, there's no way. They, they, there's got to be something wrong. They got brown carpet in their house. There's no way. God help us. They're, it's just somebody's, so, something's wrong. The bishop's compromising. Huh. Now I done forgot my point. Because you know what? Four years. It was four years of his life. And there's others in here that served for, for four years or served for six or served. Or, or you go even to a farther expanse. You, you, you watch an interview of a man telling a story about his time in battle. 
And, and, and it's amazing to me. Years ago, I had a really cool opportunity. Now I'm almost finished. I had a really amazing opportunity. Uh, it's getting less and less now. It's a sad thing. About four or five years ago, a couple of us went up there, and it was, for me, I know some of you are like, absolutely thinks it's the most boring thing in the world, but for me, it was amazing. We got to go up to the Reading Air Show in Pennsylvania, and they had this huge hangar there, and you could walk around, and they had veterans from World War II sitting out there, and you could just walk up to them and talk to them. It was like, I mean, it was, it was amazing to do. And it was, you watch those guys, and they're, I mean, they're now in their 90s. And you're talking about something that happened 70 years ago. And when you begin to talk to them, they tell your story, they just, tears begin to flow out of their head. That's 70 years ago. Why? Because it's, it's still who they are. It's a part of them. God help us that we're allowing people that had first chair walks satisfy with a second chair lifestyle. I said this before and I say it again and this is not, I hesitate to even say it because I know some, this is a very sensitive subject for some. So please, I'm not pointing it towards anybody. I'm using it within the context. And, and I respectfully say that. But I heard a man one, say one time, he, was, he was in, his, spent his entire child's existence in church. His daughter grew up in church. And when she got older, she walked away. And they asked him, he said, well, what, what, what do you think happened? And he made this statement, and I'm, I'm saying this for this, I'm not saying this towards any other situation, so please, I'm, I mean that respectfully. He said, you know what? I realized I made a big mistake. They said, what was that? He said, I realized I raised them in church, but I didn't raise them in God. I raised them in the second chair. I never showed them how to get to the first chair. And I can, only thing we can do tonight for second chair people in this room is we can only point you to the way. I got to tell you sometimes, preaching is one of the most frustrating things on the face of the earth. It literally is. Every preacher in here should be able to say amen to that. It's one of the most frustrating things in the face of the earth. Why? Because when you feel God flowing through you, can you feel, you know it's not you, it's not about, it's not, you know, you know, you're listening, you're, 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 you're listening to the message as you speak it. Half, I'm telling you, I know there's guys out there and, and, and that read and they already know what they're going to say, but for most of us, I, I'm listening to it as you're listening to it. Because in my mind, I'm going, what? Every once in a while, I'll just have to stop and say amen. <laughs> preach it, preacher! I like that one, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Because it's, it's, that, it's that deal, but it's so frustrating to feel that flow through you and to watch it. Just, you could tell it's just hitting. Boy, it's, it's, just, it's just pinging in on people. And you watch that. And you, you just, it's everything in you, not just want to go down there, grab them, pick them up, put them in that chair. And say, get in that chair tonight. 
and say, Holy Ghost, don't let them out. I bind you in that chair. Stay. Usually say, get out. I'm saying the opposite. Stay. And it's amazing to watch people get up and take their chair with them and be satisfied with their second chair when you know there was an opportunity for a first chair if they were just willing to get up and get to the altar. I know we do net fishing, and I'm all for it. I believe it 100%. Bishop is 1,000% on it. I don't say that because I have to. I say it because it's in the Word of God, and I believe it. But you know what? Net fishing works for the third chair and the no chairs. Because it's easy when you don't have a chair. But for second chair people, net fishing don't work, honey. Because you know why? Second chair people have got to do something. You got to get off your backside. Leave number two back there and go up there and find that first chair. Because there's got to be an attitude with your actions that match your faith. Can God meet you there? Absolutely. But there's something that's got to be in a second chair person that says, you know what? I don't care. Who is the woman with the issue of blood? What was she? The Bible doesn't say specifically, but we know where she lived. She had to be what? Only two choices, folks. She was, she was living without that first chair experience. She was living without that first chair experience. In fact, the Bible says she had gone all over the place trying to find people to sit in her chair. But it got to the point where she said, I can't live off a second chair experience anymore. I've got to have a first chair experience. I'm praying in Jesus' name. I know it's Thursday night. And I know for most of us, Thursday night is, 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 is usually a different cup of tea. And I get that. I, I get it 100%. But I pray tonight, not through my words. It's not me. But I pray in Jesus' name. That somewhere in this, the Spirit of God has pricked your heart. And I don't care where you go to church, what building you is. I hope that image sticks with you everywhere you go. Forgive me for those of you from Sunday morning. But you know what? I use this Sunday morning. I use it again. You ever played kickball, school, pick teams? Pick me, pick me. I got one pick me, man. Look at my leg, look. Pick me. You know what God does? You know what he's doing tonight? He's sitting up here and he sees every second chair person. He's saying, 
Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Because you know what? He wants you to... This chair is a relationship chair. This chair is all about relationship. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where, you, where I go, where you go, I want to go. Where you're, where you're directing me, that's where I want to go. It's a relationship chair. That's what it is. You know what? Come here, Dylan, use you again, buddy. You know what? God says, pick me. Because it's God, God's desire for you to come down and say, God, go with me. And God says, boy, let's go. You know what? This is relationship. There's no effort in this. We're just walking together. You know what? Where I go, Dylan follows. And you know what? Because you know what? He's in relationship with me. He's desiring. And you know what? There are some times where he may stumble and fall. Fall, go ahead and fall. You know what? Guess what? If he's in relationship, how far does he fall? Not very far. Does he fall? Yeah. But how far? Not far at all. Why? Because he's in relationship. You know what? He's walking with, without me. He falls. There's no telling what the depth of his failure will be. But it's in relationship. When I sense he begins to fall, guess what? My grace says, whoa, 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 whoa. I got you. I got you. And you know what? There are times where light might be so tired and so weary. Close your eyes. He may not even have the strength anymore to do it. But as long as he's a relationship, it's okay. Because he's walking with me. You know what? I asked him to do that right now. Spin around a little bit. Go ahead, close your eyes so you can figure out where to go. He don't want to do it. Ah, that's good. Why? Because he's on his own. Without the relationship, you plateau. But with relationship, it's growth. Where are you going? But you know what's so sad is, go ahead, be a second chair person right now. God says, I give you a first chair experience and boy, it pings at you. But you get up, God's saying, Go ahead and stand up. Oh, oh, here, it's going to happen. And you just. I know it's not biblical. I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not in the Bible. Could just follow me for a moment. I wonder how many times God stands here with tears running down his face, watching his people walk out without him. running with a hammer saying, get back here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to punish you. But walking about, if they only knew what I wanted to, if they only knew, just, just give me a chance. How many times did it say he was moved with compassion? You think that stopped because the gospel writers quit writing it down? No, because that's the characteristic of our Savior. 
that's moved with compassion. And when you walk in here and you're burdened down and, and you're, you're, you're tired and you're weary and you're, you got you got stuff going in your life that you don't have an answer to and you don't know where to go and your heart is aching and your tears are dried up because you've cried them all out and he's sitting there and he's going, if they would just give me a chance, if they would give me a chance. And the problem is because you're a second chair person, he can't go find you at the well. He's got to wait for you to say, okay, I'm not living there anymore. I want to be a first chair person. Would you stand with me tonight? Can we just, it's early, and I intended it to be early. And I'm not, I'm not going to have an altar call. If you want to pray, that you pray. But I'm going to ask you tonight just to take about 60 seconds. And just take an inventory of yourself. If you're a second chair person in here, ask God to help you find your first chair again. Maybe you used to be a first chair person, but you've allowed yourself to slip in that second chair. We're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. You've got 21 days to get in that first chair. You've got 21 days to say, God, I've let some things slip in my life, but take me back to the first chair. Take me back to the first chair. Take me back to the first chair. God, I pray tonight, these are your words. It's not been the words of Joel Wright. Joel Wright doesn't know anything, but these have been your words. I felt your anointing, and I felt your spirit flow through me as these words have been spoken. And Father, I pray tonight... God, don't let us be satisfied with being a second chair church. But God, let there be something that rises up in the hearts of your people tonight. Oh, don't let us say where are the miracles of our fathers. Don't let us recall the miracles of the first chair people. But God, we want to be first chair people in this place. Seek you and find you and know you. Oh God, I pray tonight, this would not be an emotional appeal, but it would be a spiritual seed that not emotions would be touched tonight, but there would be a spiritual seed sown in the heart of your people. Come on, just tell them that for a moment. Don't let me be satisfied, God, with a second chair lifestyle. Don't let me be satisfied with a second chair lifestyle. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Shandolo bokuriata rebiata. Isunduriboko ribeshe inarande lekiara. Ilurubusuribataye. Yerriarotalabahaya. Riyalabariyalabariyandalabahaya. Come on, folks. Revival comes to the second chair. But harvest flows 
to the first chair people. If you want to be involved in the harvest, you can't be involved from a second chair relationship. But you've got to get revival in your spirit to get to the first chair so that God can use you. Jesus name Jesus name stir it up in us tonight Holy Ghost stir up stir it up stir it up stir it up you can't operate in the Holy Ghost effectively from a second chair experience if you want to be used of God you got to find that first chair so he can flow through you Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you take me back mm -hmm. take me back dear Lord where I first believe oh, oh take me back mm -hmm. take me back dear Lord to the place where I first received you oh take me back to the first chair take me back dear lord where i first believe can you sing it one more time oh, oh take me back mm. take me back dear lord to the place where i first received you oh, oh, oh take me back I want to go take me back dear Lord where I first believe the verse of that song says sometimes I feel that I'm so far from you Lord but I still hear you calling me those simple things that I once knew the memories are drawing me. 
I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed, but yet my soul's not satisfied. Renew my faith, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. Take me back. Can we lift our hands to the Lord one time and just love Him? Can we do that? Praise God. 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 Can we clap our hands to the Lord and give Him praise? Amen. Praise God. I pray in Jesus' name that the seed of this word would be sealed in your heart through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. God bless you. If you want to sign up for prayer, you can do that before you leave. If not... You can still go to theantioch.com, upper right-hand corner. There's the prayer sheet. You can click there. But please, everybody, everybody needs to take at least one shift in prayer. God bless you. Amen. Please shake hands with someone before you leave. God bless you.